The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back into another edition of the Pandemic Pod, the Just Press Play <laughs> podcast during a pandemic. <laughs> we are back again. We got Pops and L with us again. What's going on, guys? What's up? Mm. Live from quarantine. Always be, uh, wait, wait, no. Always avoid alliteration, right, LJ? That's the Yeah, same. always avoid alliteration. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> see what you did there. I see what you did there. Um, yeah, we are back again for another episode this week. Last week, we actually had a two-week or a two-episode week of the JPP with a little <laughs> bonus pod from an interview with former Razorback and former Butler Bulldog, played overseas, a little brief stint in the D-League, mm-hmm. Rodney Clark. Um, did you guys get a chance yeah. to listen to that? What were your thoughts, Pops? I, I, Hell yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I loved, and I have a question, don't let me forget, but I loved, he sounded like a cool guy, one. It sounded like y'all could be buds, you know, y'all both like basketball. It sounded like y'all had a good rapport. And then just the story of him trying to get home really was a big deal. You know, I could just Yeah, so if you hadn't got to listen to it, he was playing he was playing pro ball over in Italy when this basically really hit Italy. And then he's from he's from Oklahoma, but he lives here in Fayetteville. And he was it was basically his family got home and now he's trying to get home to his family. And yeah, it pops it was the story kept going. It just kept sounding like a mo- like a scary movie almost. Well, I think I was going to say. They would shut down every airport the second after he walked in. Right. And, and I, I, don't, I mean, hopefully the listeners, if you haven't, you'll go listen to it. But there's this one part where he's sitting in the Munich airport and he hears, you know, over the intercom that all flights to the UK are shut down. And that's where he's trying to fly to. <laughs> And that's so, where he's headed. <laughs> yeah, so he's in Munich. He can't go back to his apartment in Italy. He can't go to London to fly to the States. I mean, he's just, I mean, screwed. It's- that was the definition between stuck in a rock and a hard place. That's what he was looking <laughs> yeah. like. And then of all things, he said he was looking around the airport and like, it's dark. People, it's empty. People are in a mask. Like, it just looks scary. I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, it was a really, it was a fun interview. Rodney was a really cool dude. And then we went on a little down a rabbit hole talking about some old hoop stories from him. If you haven't listened to it, it's on our, you can find it on our feed or on our Facebook or Twitter. It was a lot of fun to do. And especially at this time, just what he went through was pretty crazy and all is well now, but we got that last week. So you can go find it. Uh, LJ, what was, what was something set up from you on that episode or on that interview? Well, it's the thing that I kind of like hammered in the intro is like, he's so good at basketball that they literally put, the, a sign up saying where he played high school basketball, his sophomore year of high school. Yeah, like that's, yeah. Who's 
What in the what? Yeah. And so, Kevin, did you ever Going find through, out what is this? Talking some stories from him in high school were insane. That little bitty Oklahoma town that was people flooding from all over coming to watch them play. So, but what do they call him? I mean, does he have a nickname? Like, do, do the boys, you know, playing hoops call him Rot? Or, I mean, what? I think they call him Rotney. I don't think, I don't think he has Rot as the nickname. I, just, I would think that would lend itself Rotten to. Rotney. Maybe he's like RC, like RC Cola, like he's RC, you know. I don't know. Maybe I could see that. We didn't we didn't get into the nickname, I guess, but yeah, I don't I don't think Next I'm just going to go on a limb. I don't think it's Rot. I don't think it's Rot. <laughs> I liked him. He seemed like um, a fair guy. All right, well, we have a lot we need to get to on today's pod. We teased off the top, or we, we talked about yesterday. We did a little, we're doing a little movie review. So we're going to do a little Shawshank Redemption review. We're, we'll do it at the end of the episode. So if you're like, if you're sitting at home right now or in the car or wherever you're at, and you're like, oh crap, I forgot to watch it. The guys are going to spoil it. We got your back. We're going to do it at the end of the pod. You can cut off if you haven't seen it yet and then just come back once you've seen it. So we'll get to that later. Yep. Also, we didn't really get to talk about it last week, so I kind of want to get into it. But uh, Tom Brady is now wearing a Bucks jersey. There's there's some stuff yeah. I want to get into with you guys. And there's now yeah. that leaves a team up in, in Boston who's looking to hire a new quarterback. And I we'll see where they go with that. But first, uh, yeah. the perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next yeah. person or next quarterback, uh, Bill, are you listening? Mm-hmm. When you need to find that next person yeah. to help grow your business, <laughs> LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with the right open role fast. So so if you're if you're not wanting Jared Sidden to be your quarterback, Bill, maybe you need to hop on <laughs> LinkedIn and see what you can do. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and put your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by people you want to hire, people with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight eight seconds. Eight with LinkedIn. seconds? Jeez. Wow. That's, you'll get a backcourt wow. violation in the NBA if you go longer than eight <laughs> seconds. Lincoln, LinkedIn's not even worried about backcourt viola- or uh, eight-second violations. Wow. All right. That's why companies rated LinkedIn jobs the number one Hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Number one, that sounds pretty good, Pops. Yeah, it's better than two. <laughs> that does sound really good. <laughs> that, that is analysis right there, folks. That's why you come to the JVP pod. That's right. That's why you're paying for this. All right. Here's the booger of this show. <laughs> Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash team. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions conditions do apply. All right. Um, so the Patriots are looking for a new quarterback. What we didn't get to talk about it. What do y'all think? Tom Brady in a Bucks jersey? That's weird. Well, it's gonna be weird. And they're gonna be on primetime every week. I'm not excited about watching. I don't know. They'll be exciting though. They've got receivers, they've got a defense, they've got some weird running game every now and again. It's weird. You know, it, they do have great receivers. Don't get me wrong. Chris, if, if you had either one of Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, Mike Evans last year in fantasy, you know their receivers are great. Hell, we watched 
Jameis Winston, he threw for 30 interceptions, but he also threw for 5,000-plus yards and 30 touchdowns. So they got some guys to throw <laughs> yeah. to. I do love, though, how all of a sudden we're like, oh, Tom Brady on the Bucks, he has Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and they're like, O.J. Howard, Ronald Jones. Like, wait a minute, let's, let's back up. <laughs> what the hell have O.J. Howard and Ronald Jones – they are talented players, and they both were taken, I think, in the first round, but they haven't really done crap, but we're just throwing them in there yeah. as part of this uber-talented offense. Mm. I thought that was pretty funny. Well, he's got a pretty good coach, too. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see him yeah. work with Bruce Arians. I think that'll be a, a very interesting combination. He went from cut-off hoodies with Belichick to fedora-wearing Bruce Arians. So I, I, there, there's a huge difference in where he's going now with Tampa from New England. Uh, there was a, a good article online or on ESPN from Seth Wickersham about kind of the, the part from New England and, and Tom Brady. And I, I thought it was kind of interesting, basically. And he's been kind of detailed. He was the guy that a few years ago, right before the – I think it was bef- either before or after the Garoppolo trade, right during all that, where he basically was – he kind of first initially told people about there's a little bit of rift in between the Patriots, GM, coach, and Tom Brady and kind of this thing. It's heading to an end eventually. I don't know if we ever, we saw it going this way. But some of the stuff they were talking about was like when the – the 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 rift first initially showed up was kind of during Deflategate, and many close to Tom Brady felt that Kraft and Belichick had left him out to dry and to take the fall for Deflategate. And I, the way I kind of remember it, it did kind of turn into Tom Brady deflated the balls, not the Patriots deflated the balls. And it was interesting because Tom Brady, people close to Tom Brady, said that he felt like he defended the franchise during all the Spygate stuff, and then the opposite turned around when Deflategate kind of happened. And then shortly yeah. after that, Brady began using his platform. And instead of promoting the Patriot way, he started promoting the TB12 way and the book and the TB12 method, something that kind of pitted players against the team, eventually leading to uh, Belichick cutting what his man, uh, Brady's man, Alex Guerrero, out of the building, basically saying, you're going to set up somewhere else. And then... Late in Tom vs. Tom, when Tom Brady came out with that little Facebook docu-series, there was a quote where Giselle Bunchen said that he tell he quote, he tells me, I love it so much and I just want to go work and feel appreciated and have fun. And I think that is the line. Feel appreciated. Belichick is known he's gonna cut the guy before it's too late. He's gonna cut you too early rather than too right. late. And it seemed like yeah. this became Brady was gonna leave on his terms, not Belichick's terms. Uh do you think? Yeah. Do you think, Pops, I want to start with you. Is Brady kind of – is this going to be Emmitt Smith going to the Cardinals or does Brady have some gas left to the tank? Are the Patriots in the wrong? Is Brady – what was your thoughts? What kind of – what did you think when all this kind of – I think think for some of the reasons that you mentioned, I think Tampa Bay is a pretty interesting landing spot. I like like the coach. Um, I do think there was something happened between – you know, Belichick and that Garoppolo thing, um, him and Belichick, and I think they were a little bit at odds, maybe both. Maybe it's a little bit of a Jimmy Johnson, uh, Jerry Jones kind of thing, you know, two 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 big egos, maybe, yeah. if they could just coexist a little. Yeah. I mean, they coexisted for 20 years, so, yeah. you know, you know, it's not. <laughs> just one it, dynasty it's, worth of it's not bad, but I, I think Belichick <laughs> probably was like, 
okay, you know, he wants to leave now. I don't think it probably bothered him too much, except I, I did see they signed Bobby Hoyer today, but Bobby Hoyer is... Brian Hoyer, too. Uh, oh, is it Brian? Okay, it was Brian Hoyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Both the Hoyers. Okay. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I'm anxious to see what happens. I think Tom Brady, it's not going to be an Emmett Smith at Arizona Cardinals. I think he's still got some gas in the Tarians will get it out of him, and I think he wants to prove that it was him. And so Well, that's what this is going yeah. this I think both are gonna stay professional and you're not gonna see one take shots at the other, but I think both are very, very aware that this now is a chance for Belichick to prove that yeah. it was the Patriot way that was winning Super Bowls, not Tom Brady. And this is Tom Brady's chance to prove I had a lot to do with six Super Bowls. Uh, LJ, what what kind of what, what were you thinking? I mean, I I'm sure as a Bronco fan and as an AFC team, you're probably just over the moon to see TB12 finally go play in the NFC. So pleased. Oh, so <laughs> pleased. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. Um, yeah. It that's that's like the best news. I know. Like, he was talking <laughs> I mean, this is PG. Wait. It's just LJ. good stuff. I'm so tired. The only problem is we're going to have to – we're just going to – I'm just disappointed we're going to have to see so many primetime Tom Brady games still because he's on a team that I think can be a contender next year um, with, uh, with a quarterback that – makes careful decisions. So I do think that they're going to get primetime games a lot, but I'm glad that he's not going to be a playoff, you know, going through Tom Brady and Foxborough is just not a thing anymore. And uh, yeah, that's, that's always been a scary combo. I don't know. You're right. We will see whether Brady was the thing or, or Belichick was the thing, but uh, either way, splitting that team up a little bit makes me very, very, well, it's just funny to me. I, I wonder, so there's no one, once you get to Tom Brady level, it's the same when you're at LeBron James level or Michael Jordan level. What, I feel like once these guys get to such a level, there's no one in their camp that's, sometimes they can end up where there's no, no one in their camp that can go like, hey, are you sure this is a good idea? Are you sure at 43 you're going to go to Tampa Bay? Are you sure you don't want to just yeah. stay in New England? And sometimes I wonder if there's not the right person to do that. But then also, I kind of get Tom Brady, like, you're Tom effing Brady. I don't don't call me and, yeah. and negotiate with me like I'm a, a solid defensive end or I've came in like I'm in my third year. Like I'm Tom effing Brady. I, I know I'm 42. Like look at how the Lakers dealt with Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace. But like they even towards the end of his career, he was still getting a legacy contract. I mean, you, I kind of think Tom Brady maybe maybe after a, four weeks into the season he goes, I don't know if I made the right call, but I bet it felt good to go. You know what, Bill? F off. I'm going to go leave and go yeah. to Tampa Bay and you just figure out what you want to do here with Jared Stidham and, and Bobby Hoyer or Brian Hoyer. <laughs> One of those Hoyer boys. <laughs> Bobby Hoyer. <laughs> I, well, that had to feel good like, to uh, go, all right, bye. It also makes a lot of sense to, you know, when you're like last couple of years before you retire, go ahead and ask for a transfer to the branch in Tampa, Florida, and go ahead and get your condo ready to go. And then you're just ready to like, instead of, you know, instead of having to move when you retire, you just stop showing up to work. And, uh, He'll already be in place to do that. So it's a good decision regardless of how long he I'm plays. Ca- I, I, I'm, LJ it seems like he's not ready to watch Buccaneers primetime games. I'm all about it. I'm really excited to see. We got Tom Brady with – I don't think he needed much. I just love these guys. Like we just mentioned LeBron and Michael. But these guys who – they're just built from a different – they're cut from a different cloth. And now like he needed another chip on his shoulder. Now he has it. Like he – at 43 years old, he wants to go prove – not only he's been already trying to prove like I have something left in the tank, but now it's a new team. It's a new start with really young talent. The Patriots, 
Gronk's been on a lot. La- I mean, he obviously wasn't there last year, but even before Gronk was on his last leg, the Patriots have been devoid of talent around Tom Brady. The defense has been good, but devoid of talent around him. And now uh, we joked about, or I joked about OJ Howard and Ronald Jones. They are still talented players. Yeah. I'm really excited to see yeah. what he could do in, in Tampa. And I'm, I'm excited to see what do the Patriots do? Do they roll out Jared Sidham? Do they go get Cam Newton, Jameis Winston in new England? Sounds yeah. fascinating yeah. to me. <laughs> Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Bring Antonio Brown back and like let's just let's just cause drama everywhere. Make sure Antonio Brown it I don't know, do we want him on Brady's team or against Brady? I think both is a a drama win. Right? I think they're all exciting. I can't wait. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Uh but we got time to get to the NFL. Um now I kind of want to get to We've, we've had to figure out something to do with ourselves over this quarantine because there's just no we dad, we should be talking about how our brackets are busted and how this first round was insane. <laughs> and all, did you see? So, by the way, Pops, they were, they were showing uh, night, CBS is kind of showing old games, old uh, college, like great classic tournament right. games. And one of them on Saturday, they were showing the night. I think it was, what is it, 1982? Is that the Leitner? Or when was the late 1992? Uh, 92, probably more. Something like that, I think. It was whatever it was. They were showing the Leitner Kentucky game, and it was a great game. And then it actually, so they're showing old games because of the coronavirus. And then the uh, special report cut into the broadcast of Trump and the task force oh. briefing briefing everyone on the coronavirus update. So the tape delay game was now being cut in by coronavirus that was being shown because of coronavirus. It was just it was like <laughs> getting punched while you're down. Oh, um, oh man. But so we don't have new sports to watch. Maybe you were watching some old stuff. I want to kind of go to you first, Pops. What over the weekend, what did you do to, to entertain yourself? What were y'all doing while, while there was no March? I know Tammy would have been dealing with you just stuck upstairs watching March Madness all weekend. So what were you doing instead? Well, so Saturday we went out and went crappie fishing and uh, in a lake that was completely full and muddy and too high. and But the weather was nice. So we had just a little bit of nice weather. Um, and then we watched a lot of TV. What did we watch? Uh, well, we watched Shawshank Redemption. That's one thing we did this weekend. And nice. um, we, we're watching this news thing, zero, zero, zero. Have I told you guys about that? I think you mentioned no. it, but I don't know anything about it. it. It's something about like shipping cocaine or something like that. It's something about the drug cartel. I'm not. I'm not sure. Have you only watched like a few minutes? How did you not know? Well, more than- I've watched three of them, and I'm not sure I'm sold on it. But Tammy is bound and determined. We're going to watch it at least one more, and it's. I mean, it's kind of interesting, <laughs> but it's complicated. So, so that's what we did this week. LJ, yeah. So I did a few. I did a little binge watching too. I'm going to let you go first, LJ, because I'm a little ashamed of myself for what I watched. But uh, what have you been doing over the over the the, the quarantine weekend? What have you been handing it up to? Well, um, uh, been uh, we like I said, been working on Swahili and playing music. Together. Yeah, do we have an update on but, your Swahili? Uh, also, um, hody hody means knock knock, so uh, you could say like hody hody, and I say uh, ninani, and that means who's there. And then you have to have a joke after that, and I don't know any Swahili puns, <laughs> so we're still we're still working so, progress, but we're get we're making ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Swahili working on. But so we also, <laughs> um, we're uh. We're uh we we started watching this uh this documentary series on Netflix called Tiger King. Oh man. And, uh, have y'all watched so, that? I was going to mention this uh in our Shawshank stuff about possibly the next thing we should review. Like do like two episodes, oh, three God. episodes at a time. 
Dad, the Tiger Tiger King stuff. LJ, can you just try to explain a premise to Pops of what Tiger King is? Okay, so this uh, gun-toting, um, drug-addicted, uh, gay um, uh, presidential candidate. <laughs> wow. Uh, I didn't know that combination was good. And he goes by Joe Exotic. <laughs> His name Joe Exotic. Runs a zoo with about 120 tigers, I believe. I think it might be more Um, than that. It's a lot of tigers. Um, Is friends with another tiger zoo owner that is also the leader of a polygamous (laughs) cult. And they are up against this woman from Florida who may or may not have killed her husband. I mean, There's, the woman and husband wants to free all the tigers. She doesn't like caged big cats. And so she's trying to get them uncaged. These two guys, I don't think you can get in the in the big cat tiger business without being a little bit insane. And these guys pops. Wow. Okay. They are something yeah. else. Every episode, you're just like, wait a second. That wasn't possible. You cannot. That is unbelievable. Yeah. If, if this was a script, I would pass on it immediately. Like, it's absurd. And the, but it's and the amount of characters with missing teeth just make the show even better. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's Oklahoma. So Wow. I'm intrigued, I, I must say. And the only thing I know, Pops, <laughs> the only thing I know right now is that the, the Tiger King, Mr. Joe Exotic, is supposedly, and I'm very brief. I've only really watched the trailer in the first episode, and they just kind of set up who these people are. But the tiger, the way that they started filming this documentary a little bit, just because like this Tiger King, this Joe Exotic guy is wild. And then he got yeah. indicted for possibly hiring someone to murder a woman that was trying to get his tigers yeah. freed. So I don't know what's going to end up happening, pops, but it's got it's well, got murder for you- hire, drugs, <laughs> these guys in cages with tigers who love these tigers and. Polygamy. Oh, cults. it's got it I mean, all. Everything. Like it's got it um, all. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, um, <laughs> another crazy thing about it is the documentary maker. Like he just he was gonna make a documentary about snake dealers. Oh, it's also got the um, potentially biggest coke dealer from Miami's uh, uh, Cuba connection heyday, or uh, not Cuba, uh, um, Colombia connection heyday. So um, basically, the guy that blows based on is also a part of this story somehow. And uh, George Young, that's George Young. Yeah, it's a wild show. The guy just, well, okay, so maybe it's not him then. Um, It's a different guy, but has a very similar (laughs) career trajectory. No, 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 you're right. Now that you say that, you're absolutely right. So, um, but the documentary guy said he just wanted to do a story on like illegal reptile. Yeah, it starts with illegal reptiles, and then he sees sees a panther in someone's back in their van, and he's like, "Wait a minute, hold on." And then we now, then we have Tiger King. So, I think. And we're, I'm jumping ahead of ourselves because I was going to mention this during Shawshank, but I kind of feel like our next review should be like two to three episodes at a time. Of the, It's a seven-part <laughs> docu-series, and they're like an hour long. And we could do like three-episode yep. recap next week, and then the next the following week do like the full series recap because it is – it's on Netflix. So if you haven't – if you if you want to watch it, 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 so far I'm fully into this bad boy. God, it's, it's hard to turn off. It is so hard okay. to turn off. I will check it out. I don't know what I'm getting into, but I will check it out. So for me on this quarantine, before I got into, I wish I'd have got into Tiger King first because I think it's better, but I found myself. Oh no, I know what you I found myself. It kind of Netflix. So I haven't, I don't, we talked about this before, but they have the setting where it doesn't automatically start shows up as you're like scrolling through. But I guess I either I haven't downloaded the new setting or what because it still does it for me. It still starts. Yeah, I haven't found it. The new show, like as I was scrolling through, and so the show it's a reality show called Love Is Blind. God, it, it started going, and I was like, <laughs> these people are so dumb. So I started watching it for a little bit, 
And then all of a sudden, I found myself on the fourth episode going, these people are idiots. <laughs> Next episode. episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was upset. I hate the show. I hate the music. I hate the people. And I hate myself for watching. I've watched the entire thing. Um, well, can I tell you how bad this show is? Um, for the for the ad read I had for the promo of last of the Rodney Clark interview. Um, I almost threw in a bit about how you could have uh, Simply Safe installed in the amount of time it takes your wife to watch an episode of Love is Blind. And then I realized that Hannah would not want me to publicly air the accusation that she has ever thought of watching that show. So, here's and so here I am. Outing himself here right I now. am. The first I was in denial, but now I'm admitting it. I've watched the entire thing, even the reunion episode at the end. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> Pops, just to give you an idea of what Love is Blind is. So. It's a show where these these group of men and group of women go into a house. They're both separated from each other. They can't see each other. And they go into these pods and they blind date, basically, is what they call these pods. And you're just talking to people. And from the moment the show starts to the moment the show ends, it's like 45 days or 40 days. And you end up marrying someone. You choose someone to marry through these pods. You, you fall in love with their voice and their personality, not their looks. And the premise is to see is love really, truly blind. Mm. And uh, let's just, like I said, I've watched all 10 episodes or whatever it is. And I've There's 10 it, and episodes and you've watched yeah, and a reunion? Every <laughs> single one over the weekend. Yeah. So. Wow. And, and, and the reunion episode. So that's that's what I've been doing over over this. Hopefully, hopefully the people out there have been spending their weekend a little more productive than me. But I've watched the entire series of Love is Blind. So there's that. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> you know, I thought about this thought and I kind of wanted to, I, I thought we're, we're three different people, three different age groups. So I thought it could be interesting to see where we were. What if you were a kid? Like, so if you're a kid during this coronavirus stuff, school just ended. Like, I don't know for sure if it's going to come yeah. back. I think summer pretty much started for a lot of schools. It keeps getting pushed back. No. I don't know when, when they'll go back, but say LJ, say you were in, actually, I kind of want to start with pops first. Say you were in sixth grade. Right. So you're you're a middle schooler and all of a sudden it gets school is canceled now. What would you be doing if this happened to you as a sixth grader? What would be your day to day life? Can I can I ask a clarification yeah, before yeah. answers? Is he a sixth grader in 2020 or did this happen in um, 19 whatever when he was a sixth wow. grader? So I love that LJ didn't throw a date out there because he wasn't sure exactly when you were a sixth grader and didn't want to say too early. Um, no, I actually I think I've got the date. I just didn't want to. Uh, you know, publicly throw your age out there for everybody to pay attention well, to. Let's just say that 70s show might have been the right decade when I was a sixth grader. I wanted, I wanted dad to be, I wanted pops to say when he was a sixth grader, like what you would be doing at that time. So like it wouldn't certainly okay. a fair, it wouldn't okay. be playing Xbox. It's a fair uh, clarification because it does, uh, right, like you say, I wouldn't be playing Xbox. So what, what we uh, did at that time, I mean, we rode bikes everywhere all the time, that's what we did. And so I think I could convince my mom and dad that I would stay six foot away from Keith Lee or Eric or whoever I was with, you know, and we would be out riding bikes just all over, out in the woods, just all over. That's what we would be doing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. L, what do you think you would be doing if this was you as sixth grade? And And again, the clarification, when you were sixth grade, not sixth grade now, so... Well, so I think that's interesting because the sixth graders now, they have to take classes, right? Like they're still like taking online classes with their teachers. So that is 
that does change because I don't think that was possible when I was in sixth grade. Like I just I can't imagine how we would have nobody would have had the internet connection to stream video. So it would have maybe been like answer workbook problems or something. Yeah. Um so yeah, you basically have all the free time you want. I'd probably spend the entire time in mom and dad's bedroom on AIM just <laughs> uh messaging everybody back and forth on yeah, on AOL. That's that's what I would do. I mean, I'd get out and ride my bike every now and again. I'd probably like uh try to go hang out in that little uh, area between the middle school and uh, I can't remember what road that was back near Andrew's neighborhood. But then I'd probably get to do that once before mom and dad thought that I was going to catch something and made me stay home. So I just, yeah, I'd be on AIM the whole day. Yeah. So I was wondering if it were me, there were one, there would be a lot of Xbox being played. It probably would be a <laughs> yeah. combination of Madden. Until we went through too many controllers. <laughs> yeah, true. There'd be a combination of Madden, NCAA, Halo 2 and Grand Theft Auto probably being played. And 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 I, I bet a lot of Mountain Dew would be consumed by your boy. Um, <laughs> the other thought I had is I'd probably, we would do the thing where back in the day during summer, there'd be like a big group would all come over and play basketball. But you can't. We couldn't follow the six feet social distancing rule. I don't know if y'all heard. I don't yeah. know if y'all heard old Andrew Cuomo. The I think that's the the Cuomo. There's two. There's two, two different Mayor. Cuomos, but the Cuomo that's the New York governor. Is Andrew? Yeah. As opposed to Rivers Cuomo, who is uh, the lead singer oh, the of Weezer. other Cuomos. There, there's the Cuomo that's on CNN. Yeah. Um, sure. Anyway, so the the New York Cuomo, <laughs> he was out. They were talking about because video service of like people still going to like Rucker Park and different basketball courts playing basketball, and it was kind of funny. He was like, "Yeah, I don't know if you can really uh, observe. I hope they're observing social distancing while playing basketball. But I played basketball, and if you're observing the social distancing, then you're playing some really bad defense <laughs> because you can't stay six feet <laughs> off them. And he's right. So if we were, I I couldn't tell. I couldn't try to tell mom and pop say like, "Hey, I'm gonna go play basketball." Well, but I'll do. I'll observe the social distancing because y'all know better. I'm going to be rubbing up and playing right. and sweating on people and all kinds of stuff. So, I, well, no, you had that three point shot though. You probably you probably be fine. You just wouldn't play any. The defense, problem is though, but, uh, I probably couldn't run away from. I, I, mean, I was I was slow. I was round. I was the round. It <laughs> was short so. but slow. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't create a lot of separation for myself. So we'd probably be within six feet if they were guarding me. <laughs> um. So yeah, I probably try to play basketball, and then and then I, I was and I was curious on but that kind of gets to the next question because I I feel like y'all might shut that down. That's why there'd be a lot of Xbox going on. So pops, what would what as a parent say? Me and LJ were were we me LJ and Kelly were all younger. Would you let us go play with other friends? Would we have to stay at the house? That'd be kind of tough as a parent. I think it would be tough, but I mean, the what we're trying to do, I, I don't think I'd let you go play at other people's house. No, I don't think I would because that's the objective. I is think that's the right call. We're social distancing. I think that, yeah. you know what? We would play, remember Kelly's so like upset Mancala? With you. I mean, we, we'd play some Mancala. Kelly and I would. Yep. Oh, we'd, yeah. We'd play some board games, which we all liked. I'd kick y'all's butt in spades like I do every time I play you guys. Person? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> well, I will say uh, when I wasn't watching Love is Blind, I did play a lot of hearts with uh, mom and Andy. We, we'd done a fair bit of hearts playing up here. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought it'd be it'd be wild. I don't know what I it, I would probably as a kid now, like for me, it's not that like I get why I should be social distancing and I get why it's OK that I'm sitting here watching Love is Blind for 10 hours a day on Saturday. Um, But 
if I was younger and I wanted to go play basketball and y'all wouldn't let me, I would be so upset with you guys, even though I wouldn't realize that this is probably the right thing. So I bet, I bet right now a parent, especially of a young kid, it's got to be kind of tough because you also don't want them to sit inside all day. You want to do active things, but you're like, go outside and go have fun, but don't do it with your friends. Yeah. Do it alone. Right. <laughs> it, it, it'd yeah. be tough. Right. Yeah. It's a tough time. No doubt. I, I kind of did want to get into uh, – so we talked a lot about this. I don't want to talk about as much the coronavirus per se, but y'all brought this up. I think maybe LJ mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, and then me and you talked on the phone about it. And I think you've actually done a little, you've kind of gone down a rabbit hole. But the coronavirus and what we're dealing with now compared to the Spanish flu back in 1918, was it 1918? 1918. Is that when it was? Yep. 1918, okay. yeah. Is there, I was reading a little bit about it, and that, that was crazy. I don't think we're that severe now but are there are there any similar similarities to what we're dealing with now and the spanish flu back then pop since you've done some research lj you jump in whenever well i can tell you a few things it was caused by the h1n1 virus uh there was estimated right 500 million were infected which was one third of the earth's population at the time so the earth's population was 1.5 billion now it's 7.5 billion so one third would be two point five if we if we do the same trajectory that the Spanish flu, which was which is what it was called, uh, does. We'll have two point five billion infected, um, which we're far less than that right now with coronavirus. I think we're around, by the what, way, one hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. What, what's the last? It was three forty, three hundred forty thousand right, yeah. this morning. I don't know as of as of Monday morning, but just some interesting facts though. Philadelphia uh, got hit really hard. And over 500 corpses were awaiting burial, some over a week. They were using cold storage plants for temporary morgues. Uh, Chicago, among many other cities, closed theaters, movie houses, and prohibited public gatherings, which is exactly what we're doing uh, now. Uh, The last little fun fact I had on it, in 1917, the life expectancy was 54 for women and 48 for men, which was 12 years lower than it was the years before and after the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu had such an effect that it reduced life expectancy by 12 years while it was going on. By the way, current current life expectancy in 2020 is 78.9 years. Interestingly, they don't break it out by male and female anymore that I could find. And, and it's kind of like, you know, actors and actresses. Hmm. There's You don't hear actress anymore, really. It's all actors. I think we're, you know, trying to get some gender neutrality uh, out of things. Yeah, yeah, gender neutrality. So so I couldn't find a men's. I'm sure there is a men's life expectancy in women's, and typically women's is a little longer. But all it would say was our total life expectancy is almost 79 years now. So I thought that was... That was uh, some of the facts that I uncovered uh, related to the Spanish flu from 1918. Do you know why it's called the Spanish flu? So, uh, uh, help me, LJ. I, I think I've read it, but I can't recall. So it was called the Spanish flu um, because the the flu kicked in and full effect towards the end of World War One. Um, as you'll know, the world the World War One ended in um, 1918 in November of 1918, um, and one of the things about the Spanish flu was that it was happening everywhere, but everybody who was a part of the war was not reporting on it because they didn't want to um, make the other side think, okay, now's the time to strike because they're losing so many people. Whereas Spain, who was not a part of the war, 
was happy to report on it. I mean, not happy to, but like they were able to and and willing. Hmm. So um, that gave this representation of it being a Spanish problem and causing a stigma for Spanish people for, let's say, 20 years, probably. But like Spanish people at that time were dealing with a lot of people thinking that they were unhealthy and unclean, um, even, you know, decades after the Spanish flu allegedly was done. And uh, it probably started in the U.S. or the U.K. We don't know which. A lot of theories point to Kansas, actually. Hmm. So how much LJ, what was something besides like when you were kind of doing your looking through compared to what we're going through now? And that was what was some of the differences and similarities you kind of noticed? I know Pops mentioned like Chicago shutting down and that's Chicago shutting down. Yeah, I I saw. Was there a lot of similar things? like There was a there was a really cool poster I saw that I will have to put in the show notes that, uh, the health administrator of Chicago put up this sign about this theater is closing because of health concerns. And it was like, it was very theater related. So it was, it really resonated with my life, obviously, um, which I found interesting. But uh, the biggest things that I found were really more uh, differences. Um, It seemed to have been much more deadly. Um, It said that the, all the numbers I saw said that somewhere between one and 6% of the entire planet died of the uh, 1918 influenza. And uh, if you compare that to COVID-19 right now, uh, three to 6% of people who are infected uh, die of COVID-19. So compare the number of people infected right. to the number of people on the entire planet. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's how high of a death toll that had. It was higher of a death toll than uh, it, I think I saw 24 months of um, the 1918 epidemic uh, killed more people than 24 years of HIV, HIV and AIDS. So, uh, pretty crazy. And also it killed an unusually high number of 20 to 40 year olds. Um, nearly mm-hmm. half of all deaths were within that age group, which is the exact opposite of how this um, particular. Uh, was it because started. it was particularly dangerous to that age group or was it similar to where you see, you know, spring breakers now where you're, when you're younger, you think, Oh, it won't affect me. And they're, you know, that's a great question. And we, was, we obviously do you have any we idea? don't know the answer to it, but uh, we've got some theories um, my biggest theory is we were at war at that time. So uh, that's a great place for disease to spread when you're in small barracks that aren't necessarily the cleanest. You're fighting in trenches because, as we saw in 1917, it was not the cleanest living situations in those places. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, a, a large proportion of your fighting forces are between 20 and 40. Um, and another thing is it that's that makes sense. Uh, it seems to have been doctors were prescribing. I think it was something like. Um, eight times the current recommended amount of aspirin to try to uh, subside the symptoms for the 1918 epidemic. And so people were dying of aspirin poisoning um, related to Mm. it. And then also the last thing is there's this theory that it created um, this sort of frenzy that your white blood cells would just start attacking whatever it could. And if you had really healthy white blood cells, they were more potent. And the most potent white blood cells are between the ages of 20 and 40. So that's another theory as to why it hit that group particularly hard is because they're actually generally better immune system. So, huh. wow. Interesting. I mean, we're, I, I, I kind of hate comparing the two just in the sense of we're not in the same, like this is not to that same extent, probably because we're smarter and more educated and we're able to communicate as far as like, we can see reports every day on the TV on where we're at, how dangerous this really is. Whereas in 1918, obviously it's much harder to get that. They weren't even hardly covering it. That was another thing I found is because of the war, you would list the war deaths next to the, 
um, the, sw- uh, the, the Spanish flu deaths and the numbers would be astronomically more for the war deaths. Some of those, which were the flu deaths. Um, but you would look and see like a hundred thousand people died today at war and a thousand people died today of this flu. And you wouldn't even notice the thousand, you know? So, uh, well, and what I found super interesting was, so at that point in 1918, they're not getting, there's not as much information. So it's hard yeah. to get the information because it's just not out there. But now we're like in the exact yeah. opposite. Now there's so much information. What's true? What's not true? Is it really this deadly? Is it not deadly? Like You see like people that you would normally expect to be good sources of information. Some saying this is very serious. You need to stay home. Others like completely downplaying it. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. And then you see the other stuff in between where it's like, oh, you can catch it from drinking water. You can, you, your pet can, like, there's just so many false things and true things. Right. And it's, it's just weird to me. We're in both instances, we don't know the exact truth. Some because we have too much information now. And then back then you just didn't have enough. It's funny. Mm. The two, they both still kind of yeah. have the same yeah. downfalls. Yeah. Interesting. I will tell you one thing that we're going to, that that's going to happen from this thing, at least for me with this coronavirus stuff. I obviously I try to think of myself as a fairly sanitary yeah. person. I clearly was not washing my hands long enough. No, before this. I've definitely learned that because I still find myself. I still find myself. I, like I get done. Me and mom were talking about this yesterday. I get done washing my hands or I think I'm done. I'm about to rinse off. I'm like, Oh, it's really only been like <laughs> eight, eight seconds. seconds. Yeah. I probably need to go a little longer. And I also have learned just how and much so, I touch my face. Oh my God. I touch my face so much. Yeah. Why do I touch my face that much? I, I was itching my eye as you said. Why do I touch my face <laughs> so, so much? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm interested to see what happens. What ends up sticking from this? Like, what if the handshake goes away forever? Yeah, after I've this? seen a lot of I people do. pushing for uh, fist bumps, and I'm into that. I think that's a great solution. Like, what if, what if in 20 years we're telling our kids, like, you know, back before the coronavirus in 2020, <laughs> we used to just grab someone's hand and hold yeah. it for six seconds when we oh, met them. You know, like in every kid's movie. And your kids are going to be like, In what? every kid's movie, there's that, that like, uh, we're going to shake hands and I'm going to spit in my hand first and then we're going to shake. Um, that's yeah. like something that like our kids are definitely going to watch and be like, what? The, no wonder you deserved this. You absolutely deserved the coronavirus. <laughs> no wonder y'all had an outbreak. What are y'all doing? <laughs> I just, there's going to be things like that. They, that end up sticking. I feel, I don't know if the handshake's going to go away, but it wouldn't shock me if like, after this goes away, people are like, you know, it's probably best to just wave or bow yeah. or who knows what yeah. we start mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. The Japanese had it figured out. Can I also throw out some interesting thing that I noticed uh, when I was looking up uh, 18, 1918 epidemic stuff? Yeah. So the worst month for this disease was October of 1918. And interestingly enough, um, uh, Lifford Samuel Luthringer was that born uh, November of 1907 or yep. 1918. So he was literally born after the worst month of the biggest pandemic. So um, which is also coincides with the end of World War One. So I can imagine if. Death tolls are dropping. World War One ended. Um, that was a happy world to be born into right at that moment, probably. Right as so the world got a lot better right as Lifford started well, getting in, huh? I'm Can we saying, clarify? We are talking about Lifford S. Luthringer, my grandfather. I know we talked about my age. I just wanted to specify that that <laughs> it, it was not me. You were born in nineteen eighteen. Was born in November of nineteen eighteen. That was my grandfather. So you you have not been around for both pandemics. I've not. No. no. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad we clarified. I have not. <laughs> well, I, I just know with this whole coronavirus stuff, I'm really, my thoughts go out to anybody who's working in a job where 
your your job's really being. I've been lucky enough with. I'm in news, and so news kind of we're we're not losing our jobs right now because we're kind of it's important to have news. Mm-hmm. But people, like especially, I was thinking about Kelly in the restaurant industry. Anyone in that industry, LJ with the theater industry, with they're shutting down theaters. Mm-hmm. I I just it really this has really made it to where you can look back and go, okay, things are. I, it really helps you appreciate where things are at for for each individual life because there's just so many people that are going without a paycheck right now and. If you can help someone out, try to do it because it's 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 got to be hitting the red. I just saw a big restaurant up here in Northwest Arkansas that employs 450 people let go of 400 on on wow. Sunday. So that's wow. just a lot of people without a check. And well, wh- and similarly, yeah, in my industry right now, I literally don't know a single person with a project up and coming anymore. Uh, nobody has any work that they're looking forward to at this point. And we're just going to have to rebuild once this is done, basically the entire industry from the ground up. And the scary thing uh, is we don't know. Is that two weeks? Is that two months? Is that we nope, just don't, we know. don't know? There's just so much nobody unknown. Knows. So I, I, I've been thinking a lot about people who are really getting hit hard by this. And, and I don't really have much, much to say except for, you know, we're thinking about you. And then well, and shout out to the people that especially have like, um, they have jobs that put them into dangerous situations. Doctors and nurses yeah. out there, you're absolute heroes, absolute heroes. Grocery workers. Uh, delivery delivery drivers, grocery workers. Um, this world can't work without you guys right now. And uh, thanks for going out and, and stay safe. Wear gloves when you can. Wear a face mask if you need to. Um, but really, thanks for doing what you do. Um, we at the Just Press Play podcast super appreciate all of you people that are working your ass up and running towards the fire right now. So I agree. 100%. Yep. All right, taking a hard right turn. We talked about off the top, and now we're going to get into it. The review time. If you if you haven't watched Shawshank Redemption yet, now's the time. Cut off the podcast. Make sure you come back here in a little Shut bit. It well, down. so make like can't get off the podcast, but also go make sure you're subscribed if you're not already, and hit that rate and review. Leave us a rate and review, and then come <laughs> back after you've watched the episode and and or after you've watched the movie and check out the review. But let's get into Shawshank Redemption movie review time. All right. I'm just going to start with, I have not seen this until I watched it over the weekend. And this yeah. is not what I expected when y'all said we were watching a Stephen King movie. Mm. <laughs> I was, I, I've seen a few Stephen King things, most recently The Outsider, and I've read a Stephen King book. I haven't read a ton of them, but I did not expect this. But I will. the movie was good. I really liked it. Uh, I, the first quote I had from it at the very beginning, the warden saying... Uh, trust is trust is in the Lord, but your ass belongs to me. I was like, God dang, that's a hell of a start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and what pops? Up, what was your going back? So you rewatched it. You've already seen it before. What what what'd you think? What was your thoughts? Just initial overall. Or- well, I, I think uh, I don't remember. I wish I remembered the first time I watched it because I would say that it is definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it is listed in mm. IMDb as the number one movie of all time. Uh, just oh by number the one. way, okay. I thought yeah. I knew it was up really high. I mm-hmm. knew it was like top five. So that's why number all- two is the Godfather. So it's got it's got it's not like a bullshit list. Yeah, it's, it's a, a legit, good list. It's, it's a legit one list. I think it's you know it's a story to me about uh, a male friendship. Um, y- you yeah. know about two buddies that that really I mean loved each other and. And helped each yeah. other along the way, and I think that relationship. I mean, you know, you probably got some a, a buddy that you either have or are or uh, close to like that, and it's it's just an amazing uh, depiction of of two buddies that are helping each other when they need it. You know, 
There were times when Andy needed yeah. help and Red helped him, and there were some times when uh, Red needed some help. I, I think, especially, and we'll, we might get to some uh, spoilers alerts, but you know, he helped him see what hope was. Right. That he kept hope alive. So I, it was one of my favorite movies of of. Red's All a time. man who's been known to get things from time to time. Or whatever <laughs> yes, said. I loved is. that. That was so yes, good. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you think, El? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen and it. Take this been, wherever we want. A, Anybody want to take it somewhere? I got it's thoughts, almost been but. 10 years since I've seen it, but I, uh, again, I loved it. I mean, I expected to, um, but I did, I had a question to ask you guys. Um, who would you say is the story about, is it about red or Andy? It's a, I think it's, it's a good question. Kind of about Red. I agree with Kev. What do you well, think, Dad? I think, you know, in the Academy Awards and stuff that it was up for, they called Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne, the lead actor. Um, and, sure. and I think uh, uh, Morgan Freeman was a supporting actor. It, it's very hard to supporting. say. I, I could go either way on that. I think Red carries the movie, and I'll, I'm not a huge fan of narration. But I do think his narration of the movie, especially in his voice, uh, made the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, in the book, he's an Irishman and they like totally went off type to get Morgan Freeman. And that's the best decision they could have made. He is. Yeah. Morgan Freeman was good. You know, they did kind of wink at that when when uh, Andy asked him, he goes, well, why do they call you red? And Morgan Freeman goes, maybe it's because I'm Irish and kind of smiles because I mean, I don't think, (laughs) you know, I didn't get that reference when he said it. I was like that Irish, but I mean, no, no. he's black Irish. (laughs) Yeah. They chose him because of his Uh, voice. Like you say, LJ. Okay. Mm -hmm. A little off topic question of the movie, but then, uh, then it tails into a question about the movie, but why do we, why does someone get sentenced to two life sentences? What the hell? Like, what? Well, you only can serve one life sentence. Why does someone- it weighs in your parole hearings? It, yeah, it makes you eligible for parole at a much later date. Um, you're bright. I mean, okay. I guess that's just your chances of getting out. Or, I mean, if you got two life sentences, it's like you got to die, come back, and you still up in the jail. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then to the to the movie itself, in particular. I thought it did a great job of, well, no, actually, I want to ask you this. Was Andy always planning to get out? Like when he asked for that, uh, whatever it's called, the, the rock axe or whatever, was he doing, did he want that to try to dig out of the cell or did that just kind of, when he was carving his name, did something fall off the wall and he thought maybe this could work? Do you guys have a thought? Yes. Yeah. Go out. All right. Um, yeah, I think, I think it was B. Um, I think, uh, he got this hammer cause he truly did just want to pass the time chopping up rocks. He didn't realize how bad it was going to get. But then once he saw that thing, uh, that piece of rock break off, he realized what that wall was made of and thought that's my out. I mean, I think he was going to be looking for a way out no matter what, but once he got that hammer, uh, that still wasn't a part of the plan. It was, it was once the wall crumbled uh, with almost no effort that he was like, Oh, Oh, I can just get through here. So you think he was always searching for a way. See, I kind of think when he first got in, he was just under the impression, well, this, like, like he almost, he looked, which he looked emotionless through a lot of this movie. He looked defeated, yeah. But I thought he was just like, whatever, I'm here. And then he thought, well, I can pass the time by getting this rock axe or whatever. I don't know if I keep calling it the wrong thing or not, but he, he thought I could pass the time once I get this. And then when it opened up, that's when he realized when it fell, he thought he started putting his whole plan together. How can I, how can I make this work? And then it just yeah. kind of fell in. And then when he got the, I, I don't know how, 
Well, I don't know. Maybe I wonder where y'all were at when y'all first saw it. Did you did you notice? I should, I felt like as soon as they as soon as he escaped, and then they were getting right out. Still was like, how did he get out? I don't understand. And then as soon as they threw the as they were talking in the cell, I thought, oh, behind the poster, yeah, and it finally yeah. hit me. And I thought, how did I not realize this is what he was doing the whole time? And then because it starts hitting you, you go, he set up this fake name, this fake person who only exists on on paperwork and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I like. I was almost disappointed myself that I didn't see this coming. You know, right. I knew he was going to try to get out, but I never saw it as this way. It's it's a great twist in cinematic history. I mean, it, I, I didn't see it coming. I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I do think that it was before twists were the norm for one. Um, and then two, it it was just a really good one. I mean, it's a Stephen King. It's well written. Um, the only thing is the book is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. So it gives away a little bit more if you if you know the title of the book, you know that that poster is a lot more important. But uh, yeah, no, I I I had no idea, and I didn't feel disappointed that I didn't get it. Um, and t- I mean, if I well, would have not disappointed this, this like, time around, I'm but. upset with myself or anything. But just like I thought, oh, I, how did I not pick up? Because I kind of watch movies, kind of seen. Can I can I get ahead of the, get the ending? Yeah, yeah. And and I was I I'll tell you, even when he said it's time to get busy living or get busy dying. I was like, okay, so this yeah. is Andy saying he's going to try to get out. You knew he might try, so what's he going to do? And it never yeah. clicked to me. And I was like, oh, as soon as he started, so as, as the warden was like throwing his chess pieces around, I was like, yeah, oh shit, there's a hole behind yeah. that poster, and he's going to throw it through. And then it was, it was so well done, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I don't genius. think I had that in mind. I think the first time I watched it, I thought, where the hell is he? And I really thought they might find him hung because if you recall. I he had too. just come out of two months of solitary because he called the warden obtuse, which was pretty <laughs> hilarious. And then, you know, he comes out and finds out that, one, you remember Tommy passed the GED, and then he knew the truth about who killed Dufresne's wife and lover, and mm-hmm. the warden had him shot and had him killed. Yeah. So I think I think that's when Andy Dufresne decided – that's it. I got to do something or I will die in here. I think that's when he said, I got to get busy living or get busy dying. And I think that's, you know, yeah. it, he also set that up talking about uh, time and pressure, you know, and what they do to rock. So I think that was kind of yep. the setup to that. But that's when he kind of turned the page. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. Pressure and, and time. time. Uh, there's yeah. some, there's, some, there's so some amazing quotes in that movie. So good. Um, also, if I can bring this up, so uh, we're skipping around maybe some, but so this occurred to me when he crawls out, I think he had crawled out before and checked everything out because yeah. when he gets out there and he's it's thundering and lightning and he's hitting the the pipeline, the sewage line. Um, yeah. Three, you think three hits knocks a hole in that sewage line? Now, this is an old jail, obviously, but so I think he had crawled out and worked on it before. Maybe. Uh, that That's what occurred to me, that he had probably been out there before and come back in to his cell. Well, it certainly, I mean, it certainly implied that he has been digging this hole since the poster, right? Since he first got the poster, um, which would have been, I think, what, 15 years or something like that? Shoot, so, like 20 or 30 yeah. years. Or- no, he did it. No, Red famously said, I thought it was going to take him 600 years. That he did it in less than 20. Um, okay. But yeah, it, it once he got out there, I mean, surely the last day that he dug wasn't the day he left, right? Like um, he has he's kind of explored his pathway. He, he didn't want to not know it was there. He was already prepared for going underwater. So yeah, I think he knew exactly what it was. And yeah, dad, he might've worked on it. Um, I also think that uh, 
he would recognize what that pipe was made out of. And it might not have been, you know, iron like we would expect or whatever. Um, and he would have known which rocks would have been able to get through it. So he might have been able to do it in three hits, too. I just I, I like true. that he has yeah. got a geology brain because not so many people do. And so, you know, I don't know enough about stars to question him. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it's it great. Um, I also had another thought that I thought was really uh, well, two things. Uh, if you can get through Brooks's letter without a tear coming down your face, uh, you're, you're a robot. You're a monster. Um, this is just one of the best scenes in movies ever. And then it was so but, neat. Morgan Freeman, when red was talking about, they, 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 they put you in here for life, but that's exactly what they take away. And then it talked about how he, you just start depending on that. Yep. Industrial is like that, that part of the, where everything's on the fire. Everything's yeah. on the institutionalized. institutionalized yeah. 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 It is like, they institutionalize you. And then, what what does Brooks say when he gets out there? Why did the world get so much in a hurry, or the world wouldn't done yeah, wouldn't got yeah. in a hurry? Exactly, yeah, yeah. That 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 little sequence was. Whew, I try was to tough. go fast, but it hurts my hands, or my hands always hurt. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. I was so Feel nervous that that it was gonna. You thought that I, I was thought that Morgan Freeman was gonna try to get to Dufresne, but I was worried because it just was like he already yeah. he saw this coming from a long way away. He knew he wouldn't like the free world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other major thought I had, by the way, is I really love the sort of like uh, double and triple layer like Bible references where like um, the the warden had judgment cometh and that right soon written on his wall, which is where he kept us safe. Right. And like on the surface, it was like God's judgment is coming, which is interesting because that's not written anywhere in the Bible. That's something that he had made. Um, and then uh, he thought of it as his judgment was the one that mattered. And uh, and so he had this extra layer, but then it turns out that's more from the filmmaker's perspective, referencing the judgment of, you know, the American people and Andy Dufresne, essentially. Um, and I also loved that uh, salvation comes from within. And then when he opened it up, it opened up the Bible that had the the rock hammer in it. It opened up to Exodus, which is a great uh, escape story. Yep. Right. And then I think my favorite, like maybe subtle Bible reference is when they're up on the roof. There's uh, one Messiah who saves everybody and gets them beer and 12 disciples who get to enjoy his company. And uh, I just thought that was super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was the warden, you mentioned the warden, was he always a shit human or did oh, he become yeah. corrupt over over the time? Well, I mean, did he because he took the because job, he wasn't knows, always but. evading taxes and doing this stuff with the money. But he kind of found out how to do it. And then I, I wonder he all he wasn't always great, obviously, because he knew there was some stuff going on in his jail. But right. I don't know if he was always as bad a human as he ended up being at the end. I mean, at the end, killing got killing. What's his name? Just because he knew the truth about Andy and he wasn't going to let Andy go and needed Andy to make all his money. I don't know if he was always that bad. I think he kind of got corrupt more so as it went on. I agree. With Agreed. That. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you ever start. You don't um, ever start off that bad. You, I don't know. Some people, well, I mean, I just think when he started out the movie, I think he did, I don't know. He was a tough ass warden, but I thought in his eyes, he thought he was doing the right thing. He was trying to help these people find whether he was doing it right or wrong. I think he had good intentions of, I'm going to help these people find the Lord. And these are bad people, but we're going to turn yeah. them good. And as it went along, he was like, I don't give a damn about whether these guys end up finding the Lord or not. I'm trying to make my money and I'm going to use them and I'm going to use Andy and Andy's not going anywhere. And I just thought he built yeah. up to that over the course. Well, but I think that's one of the biggest things about this movie. Like one of the biggest uh, uh, questions it tries to pose for you 
is, is our justice system for punishment or for rehabilitation? And uh, I think the answer that they're trying to give you is that the warden always says rehabilitation, but in reality, it's about punishment for him. Like he doesn't actually care if his people follow the word of God. He just wants them to suffer. And I think he's always been that way as far as like, at least as long as we have known him as a as a character. But yeah, I also agree with you that having the power to, uh, you know, dupe the government and get as much money as possible is what corrupted him. Having Andy Dufresne able to do the things that made him rich um, is is what made him took him from being uh, a kind of duplicitous dude to a complete uh, uh, evil human, for sure. An obtuse evil human. <laughs> um, uh, what was? I have a nitpick about it, something in there, but did you have any other overall thoughts, Pops, or anything else? Oh, I just had some out? interesting things about, do you know some of the other actors that were considered for the parts? Do y'all want to talk about some mm-hmm. of that? Um, Go ahead. So... So um, James Gandolfini, right? Yeah, Gandolfini was going to be uh, what? Who was he? Boggs. He he was going to be Boggs. Yeah, one, one of, of the, the sisters. sisters. And he turned it down to do a movie, True Romance. I think was the name of the movie that I'm not super familiar sure. with. Uh, other people that were that were possibilities were uh, Tom uh, Tom Hanks was was considered uh, I think for the part of Andy Dufresne, but he was busy doing Forrest Gump. Which is wow. one of the reasons, if you think about it, I've heard of that. Yeah, movie. you've heard of that movie. This was in '94. This movie did not win any Academy Awards because that same year was Pulp Fiction, one of the all-time greats, and Forrest Gump, one of the all-time greats. Lion uh, King. Well, was Lion King '94? Okay, how about that? Yeah, that won the the soundtrack award that Shawshank was up for. Yeah. So uh, let's see: Gene Hackman, Robert Duvall, Paul Newman, Robert Redford, and Clint Eastwood were all considered. Uh, they were considered for red. I'm sorry. Um, and, that makes sense. And then they decided uh, that Durabont, the the uh, the guy, Frank Durabont, the producer, the director, he purchased the film rights from Stephen director. King in 1987 for $5,000. Stephen King never cashed the check. In fact, he sent the check to Durabont and said, if you ever need parole money, uh, Love Stephen. <laughs> That's pretty so cool. He never even cashed the check. I yeah. think he probably made it over in spades. One other thing. Yeah, I think Stephen's doing I all think right. He's doing money. okay. One other thing. The the one of the other movies that I liked from Stephen King came out of these novellas that were in this was uh, Stand by Me. It, it was from yeah. The Body. Yeah. And so those are two works right. of Stephen King that are very unlike uh, his his typical. Yeah. His his two most famous. Uh, movie adaptations are movies that are very unlike what you would expect if you were a huge Stephen King fan. And I think fan. just yeah. show how really prolific and talented a writer he is. I mean, he he is an amazing uh, yeah. uh, artist. Sidney Poitier uh, passed up the role, and that is why they finally settled on wow. uh, Morgan Freeman for Red. Wow. Uh, well, they worked out. Morgan Freeman was damn good as that role. Yeah. Oh, some others no for kidding. Andy Dufresne. So, so Tom Hanks, I said Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner was busy doing Waterworld. Boy, there was a <laughs> he really missed the boat. <laughs> oh boy, pun intended on that. Swinging That's a tough look back. <laughs> you know, an interesting one. Uh, they had Char- uh, uh, Johnny Depp was considered, but he was too pretty. Uh, Charlie Sheen really wanted the part, offered to work for the minimum, but they decided against him. And then another one who would have been good, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is kind of a little bit Ooh. of an odd dude, and was was. Strongly yeah, considered. I would have loved I that. I think he could have been an intriguing uh, Andy Dufresne. 
Um, it would have been different, but it, I think it was still would have been really great. And then one last thing on on potential uh, uh, cast uh, casting calls is Brad Pitt was cast as Tommy. You know the the, the young man that was getting oh. his uh, GED, but Thelma and Louise had just come out. He was getting really hot, right. and he was getting offered leading right. man roles, so he passed on it, and that's why they got. Yeah. He had like 14 seconds of shirtlessness, and he was too big for any other bit part ever again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he probably asked his Tommy to get his shirt off at any point, and they were like, no, we don't really have a shirt off scene. He's like, oh, oh pass. pass. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> oh, one other fun fact. One other fun fact. The pitcher on Morgan Freeman's parole deal, you know, where they do rejected. Oh, I know this. Yeah. So the pitcher yeah. is of his son, Alfonso. That's actually Morgan yeah. Freeman's son, Alfonso. Alfonso had a cameo in the movie about the fresh fish when, among others, Andy Dufresne and the others get there and fat ass and they're betting on, you know, who's not going to make it or who's going to cry first. Right. That's Alfonso, Morgan Freeman's son, that's like fresh fish, you know, whatever he says. Oh, huh. interesting. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of Morgan Freeman, I have a question about towards the end with Red. Where so where where's the 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 jails located? Where was it at? Where they were? New at? England. It was in okay. Maine, I think supposedly. And for him to go meet, go find Andy, he had to go get on a bus and go all the way down to the border of Mexico the, and Texas. To Texas. And then, yeah. And then find that or what? Well, well, where was that? Where was the um, Fort Hood? They crossed. Fort, it. Where? Well, well, where was the thing where he had to go to the the hay the hay field where it's going to oh, be? That would have probably been in Portland. Right, it was, because he was a Portland banker. It was That's a, where he proposed to his yeah, wife. Yeah, but it was a town called Buxton. I remember that. It was a it was a town called Buxton, which may have been right outside of Portland, Maine, or something. Well, I was just curious how far that was yeah. from where he was because he packed up and didn't pack a suitcase or anything. He just just him. He didn't have anything to go with him to go get this. Which I guess now that I'm thinking about it, he wasn't necessarily leaving to go find Andy. He was just going to find something that Andy left for him. So it could have been anything. Right. Buxton is in Maine, by yeah. the way. Um, okay, well then, I, I was thinking he went all the way down to Fort Hood without a suitcase or without anything, but he yeah. went to the the hayfield first, got that letter and got the money, and then went to go find Andy. So see here, I my brain has just been opened up. I've been thinking Portland, Oregon, this whole time. So they've been in Maine, and then he had to go all the way to Portland, Oregon, and then go to Texas. You thought he was doing some serious <laughs> traveling? Huh? Yeah, that's some legwork. My to man's get, been on the bus yeah, for three months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I do, I do want to give a little shout out to Morgan Freeman, like, like he needs it. But I thought his acting when he walks. <laughs> no, he's going to put. <laughs> this is the point of his career. He needs me. Where he knew he needs he Clifford S. Luthringer to call him out on the JPP pod. Yeah, this is going to autoplay on his mantle every day. Yeah. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> but uh, when he goes to the wall, you know, and finds what Andy left for him, I thought I thought his mm-hmm. acting was tremendous there. You know, he he finds the rock that yeah. doesn't belong there, and he kind of he looks over his shoulder, you know, and then he opens it up, and yeah. there's a letter and money, and he's looking over his shoulder. I just thought his acting was yeah. incredible, maybe the best of the whole yeah. movie. He it, the yeah. movie was good. It was I, so I started watching, like I said, and I was taken away. I was like, this is not what I thought I was getting myself into, and it it was just it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Thought it was a good movie. I love the there's quotes throughout it, but Andy Dufresne. Who crawled through a river shit and came out clean on the other side? I mean, <laughs> yeah. It was just that's good. Morgan Freeman as narrator with all these little one-liners were just fantastic. Um, so does that mean we talked about a little earlier our next review? 
Are we going to do well, Tiger King? I, I do have a question before we move on. Okay. Do you guys, so there, uh, when Andy Dufresne plays the opera over the loudspeaker um, for everybody to hear, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Red says that uh, he doesn't want to know what that song's about because he uh, just wants to imagine that it's something too beautiful to put words to. Do you guys want to know what it's about? Because I can tell you. Yeah. What's it about? It's from Marriage of Figaro, and it's uh, Countess uh, dictating a letter to her, uh, you know, uh, friend uh, who's trying to expose her husband in a plot uh, 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 in his infidelity. So it's essentially reflecting uh, Andy Dufresne finding his wife cheating on him just opposite gender, mm. which is kind of cool. Well, that's the beauty of music. They can't get that from you. They can't they take it. it. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, so that knocks out movie review once. So I think we've come to a consensus. We're going to go... Just because I, I think you just have to, our, our description, at least LJ and my description, doesn't do it justice. You have to see what Tiger King is it. for yourself and yeah. just see this mystery that There's unravels like in real time. Because like, literally, like LJ said, it's someone who went for a documentary about snakes and how they're on the black market to all of a sudden they figured out the world of big cats in America. And it yeah. is just, it gets, I'm, I'm very early into it, but I'm so excited to watch. So I think we'll do that. We'll go. Watch Tiger King. I say, what do you think, guys? Next week, it's a seven episode docu series, so we'll go episodes one through three. We'll we'll recap the first three episodes next week. Okay, that. yeah, yeah. We can Got maybe do like right. three sessions where we do three at a time and then one big finale or something like that. Sounds like a great idea to me. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so next week, if you're a part of the JPP movie slash show review, watch Get Started on Tiger King. I, I promise you, you'll probably accidentally watch all of them because it's hard to turn it off once you start. <laughs> uh, we'll do episodes one through three next week right here on the JPP pod. I think that will wrap us up for this week, guys. you have anything else before we head out? Not for me. I'm good. I'm good. All right. That will do it for us here at the JPP pod. Make sure if you or anyone, if you're looking for someone to hire, the one place that makes hiring easy is our friends over at LinkedIn. They'll get you a candidate. And what do we say? Quicker than a ba- uh, eight second violation of basketball. Yeah. They'll get you a new candidate <laughs> yeah. in eight seconds. All you got to do is put to get to your first purchase free. Just go over to LinkedIn.com slash team and get hooked up from our people over there. And uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Facebook. We just search Just Press Play Podcast and you can find us. And then on our website at jpppod.com, you can find our show notes and anything else we have going on over there. I guess that will wrap us up, guys. I will catch you again maybe, maybe later this week for another episode. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Catch you on the flippity flip. (laughs) Peace out. Peace. Peace. Peace.